Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you feeling today, Corey? Hi, you know. <laughs> day, what is it? Day eight or nine of this nightmare and uh, still no energy, but but overall starting to finally feel better. How about you? We both got hit the same night. Yeah, we both got hit on election day, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And so this is what day nine of, you know, me and my entire family being out with the flu, but we're all better. We're, we're recovering still just a little bit, you know, of, of the crud, but we're surviving. <laughs> we're surviving. So if we cough or sniffle throughout sorry, this, yeah. sorry, we're, <laughs> I, I can't even, I can't even honestly call it the flu. I mean, what I experienced last Tuesday was not of this world. It was yeah. pretty crazy really weird flu i've never had anything like it nothing like it so interested to hear in the comments if anybody else has been experiencing some weird flu like symptoms but not you know not the usual ones so yeah like frequency targets chemtrails who knows shedding i don't know all i know is this is not a normal flu so yeah yeah so glad though that we're both doing better and glad that we could um, see and talk to you guys again because we missed last week. And oh my gosh, it feels like six months of news has dropped in the past week. We have like so oh. much to go over. And it's it's a heavy black pill. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's just so much, so much bad shit has dropped. Um, so we, yeah, <laughs> we have a lot to go over. Yeah, yeah. So a lot to go over. And you're right. I mean... Don't want to be blowing sunshine up people's butts. Got to be realistic about what we're fa- what we're up against, what we're facing, and the reality of it all. But um, you know, I'm sure along the way we'll have you know time to discuss hopefully uh, a little bit of solutions or how we react to this because you know we don't want to be just sort of you know nihilistic about it like woe is me. Um, definitely want to stay in the fight, but we're up against some really heavy things and, uh, dark times ahead, it seems, but, um, so we have a lot of things to discuss. We're going to talk about the midterms, obviously, um, and the house and the Senate leadership, as well as this collapse of FTX, all the money laundering, that scheme that went through Ukraine and then back to Democrat midterm elections, and also the domino effect of other crypto companies and regulations for crypto coming soon because of all of this. Plus, Zelensky, the AP, and an anonymous senior intelligence official ne- nearly starting World War III as Biden mm-hmm. plans to send another $38 billion to Ukraine. Insane. Yeah, a bit of good news with the Trump 2024 announcement this week. Also going to have to mention the Senate voted to end COVID emergency declaration, plus some uh, recaps. Which Biden wants to veto. Of course. Yeah. We also need to talk about some recaps of COP27 and the G20 summit, and then finish off with the New York Fed and a dozen major banks are launching a digital dollar test. So, wow, a lot going on. Lots going on. And that doesn't even include the reports that you and I are both working on that we'll have to uh, roll out next week and talk about because those are doozies as well. Oh, yeah. So talking about the midterms, I mean, obviously, the results for the midterms are not anywhere close to what we wanted. And we started off really strongly in Florida and thinking that we were going to be taking the House and the Senate and several key governorships. And then throughout the course of this week, our wins just kept getting whittled away. And we saw how in Maricopa County in particular, how the Republicans were just completely robbed by massive corruption and incompetence in Arizona. I mean, the level of voter suppression, the ballot harvesting, the outright fraud that took place in Maricopa County, it's just absolutely criminal. I mean, mm-hmm. and the p- people are pissed. I saw uh, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors had a um, a meeting yesterday where the public was able to attend and speak out, and it's just person after person standing up and, and voicing their 
anger. You can just sense it. It's palpable in Arizona. The citizens of Arizona are fed up. This is now the second election that they have completely botched and made the state a laughing stock on the world stage because of the illegitimate elections that they run. Well, and- it's, it's happening across the whole country. We knew the steel was in. We knew this was coming. I don't I don't think anyone well, I'm sure there were some people that were hopeful, but we knew the steel was in. We know they have the ability to do this on so many levels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And here in Ari- or in Arizona, some citizens, they're just calling themselves the Arizona citizens, submitted this letter to the Maricopa B- Board of Supervisors, and they're demanding a new election for Kate and and for Katie Hobbs and the Maricopa Board of Supervisors members to step down. And they're threatening and saying, look, if you don't, you know, meet our demands for a new de- election on December 6th, with all of these requirements, such as in-person voting, paper ballots, identification required, et cetera, et cetera, then we're going to start protesting as of November 18th. And people in not just Arizona, but all over the country are going to be participating. So I'm interested to see what happens there. But honestly, I just don't see them budging at all. I mean, we've no, been they can't through afford, this before. They can't afford to lose it. No. These people will go to great lengths. They are moving full speed ahead, as we'll see in this wonderful little White House declaration that was published. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to let go of this. And Mm -hmm. here's where we stand now. So we've taken a narrow majority in the House while the Democrats have maintained control of the Senate. Um, So I guess it's positive that we have at least um, a majority in the House and we can stop some things there from passing. But um, both of we hope, but we have a lot of rhinos. Exactly. Speaking of which, both (laughs) of the traitor rhinos, McConnell and McCarthy, are set to be Senate and House GOP leaders, which is a total joke. They don't represent Republicans at all. They represent the D.C. Uniparty, and they've actually actively worked as controlled opposition to defeat the MAGA movement and bring about any kind of reform you know, any form of uh, America first policies. I mean, they've actively worked as opposition to our movement. Yep. And this is what the Republicans wanted. Well, this is what we got. And so. <laughs> 188. Think, McCarthy got 188 votes. Mm-hmm, 31 votes uh, going to Andy Biggs. And so this isn't um, the final thing. This just got him to the next step, there will be a final sort of confirmation vote, which uh, uh, McCarthy is going to have some problems because of the Freedom Caucus and their displeasure with McCarthy. So we'll see how that pans out. But for now, um, it looks like, you know, McCarthy and McConnell um, are the, you know, the House, Senate and and, um, the House and Senate leaders until mm-hmm. until they're not so we'll see what happens <laughs> but not but so <laughs> here's here's kind of where i stand with it and this is the hard truth um about this election cycle and tell me your take as well is that nothing's really going to change and we can expect the democrats to continue to defeat us so long as there's mass mail and ballot harvesting and as, as long as this is allowed to continue, I just don't see how we'll ever win another election again, unless, um, and this would be the only hope, is that we we beat them at their own game of ballot harvesting, sadly, because I think that's, you know, the only way to, to win at this point. And it's, it's sadly, because it, it just goes against everything we believe in. Yeah, I agree. I think they've been working towards this. Uh, that's why we knew they were going to steal this election. They ha- These people, the globalists behind this, hundreds of names people can find in all of our reports, they're the ones that are really running the show here. And they are not going to allow Republicans to take the lead in any way, shape, or form from this point on. 
And if you just look at the plans they've laid out um, on their whole sustainable development goals in the future and the vaccine ID passports and the CBDCs and all their wonderful plans of control, building our enslavement system, they, uh, the way they're wording things and moving things to me seems like they're looking for their one world government to take place and form before 2024 even comes about so that we're not even faced with another election. And if we still, if we are, if we do still have an election at that point, they're going to steal it again. I mean, I'm sorry, but I, these people, they, <laughs> we're seeing it. We've seen it. We've seen what they're capable of doing. And uh, unfortunately, the money and power and connections they all have, uh, I'm not trying to sound hopeless here. I'm just trying to be a realist that uh i i just i just don't i don't see how 2024 is gonna come to be yeah they definitely have accelerated their plans since the midterm elections it's like oh we got the midterm elections out of the way now we don't have to lie and gaslight people about anything we can just go full totalitarianism oh yeah yeah but going back to the midterms talking about this sort of tangent story, which is actually a huge story of the FTX collapse and how it's connected to the Democrat midterms. So the collapse of FTX last week and the fallout since it's sent shockwaves through the market. I mean, people are comparing this to Enron, to Madoff. I mean, some of the biggest Ponzi schemes and saying that it's actually much bigger, in fact, in scope. And FTX, uh, the founder of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, he was running this just multi-billion dollar Ponzi scheme, siphoning customer money to his girlfriend's company, Almeida. And he was also siphoning tens of millions to Democrats in the midterms. And this Ponzi scheme got exposed and then the company went bankrupt. And then suddenly there was this supposed hack, which most people believe was just an inside job to drain all of the remaining customer funds held at FTX. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars wiped out, gone. All FTX customers were robbed and completely screwed. So then we find out about this whole scheme with FTX and the Ukraine. And, you know, uh, so Biden, as Biden's sending over tens of billions of our tax dollars to Ukraine, Ukraine was then partnering with FTX. And <laughs> then we have FT, and we have no way of knowing where that money was sent to in Ukraine. We have no right. way of following up on that. So then FTX is funneling millions back to the Democrats. It's this huge money laundering scheme it's a massive scandal Surprise. and mm -hmm. and FT, ftx was promoted by the world economic forum by bill clinton tony blair all of these <laughs> same all of the key players right ftx members visited the white house back in <laughs> may I mean, this has all of the hallmarks of an intelligence operation, in my opinion, to money launder billions of dollars and ultimately destabilize crypto so that they can regulate it to death just before they usher in the programmable digital currency. What do you think? Yep, I think you're spot on. Yeah. Well, it looks like um, their plans are working because this is creating sort of a domino effect. Now, BlockFi, which is another major crypto company, they're preparing to uh, file bankruptcy because they were exposed to FDX by a lot. And they've already paused client withdrawals. So clients of BlockFi can't get their money out either. Wow. And I think that this is, we're going to continue to see this ripple effect across crypto. So uh, 
yeah, I'm really feeling for the people who had their money in BlockFi and FTX and anybody else who's been running similar Ponzi schemes. Uh, this is why I always stayed away from crypto. Yeah, it's a mess. It's yeah. an absolute mess, and it's manufactured for sure, in my opinion. In, yep, I agree. Yeah, but going back to Ukraine, I mean, geez, we had a, a big scare <laughs> this week. Uh, we had this close call uh, when a missile strike entered Poland, killing a couple of people, and it was reported that the missile was Russian potentially dragging nato into the war and essentially launching world war three yeah so this uh turned out to be a total lie uh the story printed by the ap was entirely based on false information from an anonymous senior intelligence official what does that sound like to you i mean so deep state this is what they do they anonymous senior intelligence officials a leak leak stories to the AP or the Washington Post or the New York Times, and then they get Congress to act, right? So, but Zelensky perpetuated that lie, calling for Europe and and the entire world, in fact, to act against Russia. I mean, this was a very dangerous And give me more money and give me more weapons. Yep. And what happened? Well, yep, there you go. Biden called for another 38 billion dollar package to ukraine yeah and look at these totals here i mean we're talking about 91 billion dollars being laundered in ukraine and that's 33 percent according to glenn greenwald here uh 33 percent more than russia's total military spending for the year and it's double what we would spend on an annual basis in Afghanistan. Insane um, amounts of money. These people, they're good at what they do, aren't they? There's so many they're different diabolical. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. So little go back bit- to that. Go back to that other tweet though by Zelensky. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention. Don't you love this? How <laughs> Twitter now lets you fact check (laughs) the biggest uh, disinformation that people might want to know. (laughs) Poland says missile that hit it was Ukrainian stray. It's so funny, especially after you read his Zelensky's tweet. (laughs) Yep. Gotta love Uh the the ability to Twitter fact check the biggest disseminators of fake news which is biden and Zelensky and the rest of the cabal mm. but yeah i mean what were they trying to accomplish i guess i guess they want world war three to kick off uh more money big distraction what was what was the day this announcement came out oh it was the day that trump was <clears throat> going to announce mm. yeah yeah so (laughs) there's that um and speaking of which i mean that's a a bit of good news the that trump finally officially announced his campaign for 24 this week which i personally think it was sort of anticlimactic uh coming off of the disappointing midterms and the rivalry between trump and DeSantis, which has just left a lot of maga movement people feeling bitter and exhausted what are your thoughts well i think uh he's gonna have quite a struggle because i think the biggest issue is the jabs and he has never till this date come out and warned people about the adverse events and the deaths and we've got new studies that are coming out now on the the babies and uh babies being born you know sick from these jabs and just so many deaths like hundreds of thousands of people across the globe that have been dying from this and having heart conditions and we even have pfizer and is it moderna they that i know pfizer definitely was one that said they're going to start 
doing some clinical studies on the whole situation with the myocarditis. I mean, so the fact that it doesn't matter, I mean, it does matter, but for argument's sake, it doesn't matter when you, when you get into the whole warp speed and well, he didn't know this and he didn't know that. And he was trying to fight and he was trying to put, push treatments and he wasn't wanting to mandate it and da, 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 da. I don't give a shit. People can argue that stuff till they're blue in the face. As far as I'm concerned, what's important right now is that at some point in the last two years, and he's been questioned and he's deflected it. He should have come out and said, Hey, millions of people that idolize me. I'm going to give you a warning here. You need to go look at the adverse events and see what the hell's going on with these jabs. But he couldn't do it because how's that going to make him look when he pushed so hard to get these out? And that's going to hurt him a lot. There's a lot of people that are pissed off about, about that. And I mean, that's, that's something I, I cannot accept that he knows the millions of followers that he has. And what honestly kind of blows my mind is so many people that are willing to just overlook that. I mean, we're talking about deaths. We're talking about children dying. We're talking about teenagers, like dropping dead from freaking heart attacks. And um, to not say anything, to just like brush that under the rug, mm-mm, not the way to go. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think that he better drop a lot of the people that he had around him that were advising him to, you know, to go that route. Um, Because we've seen time and time again that he surrounded himself with people that have given him terrible advice, right? And we're actually working against him. Right, but we can't. But 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 beyond that, now we've had two years with documentation, with studies coming out. And at no point in time has he reviewed, I'm sure he's reviewed plenty of those. Has he spoken out about those? Yeah, agree. He should. He should absolutely face it, you know, dead on and say, look, you know, I made a mistake. I didn't know at the time, but now I know better. And this is where I stand. Right. Like be clear about it instead right. of uh, dodging. I and, agree. And, and, and saying that, if you become president again, you're going to make sure there's no mandates and you're going to he has said get, the, that. Mil- get he- the military back into uh, their positions with back right. pay. That's all great and fine and dandy. But this isn't about the mandates. This is about the fact that they are poisoning the globe. They are literally poisoning the globe and they're not stopping. They are pushing hardcore now for mandatory vaccines, digital ID passports. They're full speed ahead on this crap. Right. I would get out ahead of it if I were Trump and just face it head on. Look, I support Trump. Um, I will support Trump in his run. Um, But here's where I stand on it. It's just there's a lot, as you kind of mentioned earlier, there's a lot that can happen between now and 2024. And I'm really cynical about the entire process after the midterms. It just seems like we'll never win another election again so long as they have this mass mail-in ballot system in place, unless we start mass mail-in ballot systems as well. But I'm just focused so much more on the immediacy between now and 2024. Um, I don't want to just, you know get kind of uh, immersed in this hopium that Trump's going to save everyone when, you know, I I just feel like there's a lot of work to be done between now and 2024. And here's the other thing with that. Obviously one man can't save everyone because the majority of what he did was reversed within the first two months of uh, the, the deep state getting their puppet in. So the problem is, is the those behind the central banks and the billionaires out there that eugenicists who have been running this um, shit show for hundreds of years are the ones that need to be stopped. I mean, a, a huge part of our federal government is nothing but theater. And whereas you do have players that can help them expedite their agendas or slow their agendas down they're still running 
the agendas. We have to cut the head of the snake off. I need to put together an article on that because all of those that are laundering with immunity and privileges, okay, and the central bank and the BIS, those are the heads of the snake. We need to remove these immunities and privileges and the funding that's going out to them. And there's several other things that need to be done too. But this, the stuff that can be done that can actually fight against this has to be done on a state level. Agree. Because the, the, you know, so I feel like for the next two years now, what we're going to witness is some serious theater going on in politics. And it's going to be a lot of distraction while the globalists are rolling out all of their agendas behind the scenes. Yep. And speaking of theater, I mean, here's just an example um, with the um, Senate this week narrowly voting to eliminate the national COVID emergency. Imagine that right after the election. So they were able to use COVID emergency for the midterms and now they can eliminate it. But, you know, that just must be a coincidence, right? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter though, because this is, as you just said, it's theater. This is just well, a meaningless then, but, gesture because Biden's going to veto it. Right. And then, well, I mean, but that was a strong vote. Did you see the numbers on that vote? <clears throat> I that's insane for him to try and veto this. But in Colorado, I'm trying to think what's the governor in Colorado? Um I can't remember now, but, ju but just declared like a state of an emergency by adding in on top of the whole COVID-19 adding the, what is it? The RSV and other, the flu or whatever, where they're, they're now just going to start, you know, they're calling it a triple demic. So they're just going to start using these emergencies, like anything that comes about that makes people sick, they're going to use it as this emergency you can't do that this is so unconstitutional it gives them so many powers so right. i don't i don't know who fights that edge like who uh is it the local legislators need to to fight against that when these governors are trying to pull this shit i i don't know but but yeah, that's I, where I, this I... is heading everything is becoming a national emergency yeah, I think it's going to have to be at the state and local level where we fight off the overreach from the federal government, no doubt. And uh, I think that that's where we have the most power to be able to make changes more quickly than, you know, hoping for some kind of change at the federal level. Uh, because we know they want to continually have emergency powers. This is never, they're never giving this up ever. Right. Right. Unless they're forced to, uh, or unless the states push back. And we've seen that kind of um, pushback in other in states like Florida, mm -hmm. for example. And so I think that is the template for success is um, at the state and local levels but you're right i mean it is going to be perpetual emergencies from here on out and you can see that playing out um in these you know global summits cop 27 yeah. and g20 yeah we had a couple doozies overlapping yeah yeah so i mean while everybody's been completely focused on the midterm election steal Meanwhile, world leaders have been plotting ways to siphon off trillions and trillions more from the global economy at COP27 and at the G20 summit. And While I know new control mechanisms in place. Yes. And I know that nobody cares about what a bunch of hypocrites who fly in their private jets around the world to meet and discuss how we, the plebs, have to give up our energy, our food security, our hard-earned dollars. Yep. But it's important because whether we like it or not, these are actually the people who are signing away our national sovereignty and our financial security. So just to right. recap and give some of the lowlights of the COP27 and the G20, 
Here's John Kerry, who's speaking at a World Economic Forum first movers panel at COP27. And he's describing how they are modeling the climate so-called emergency after COVID and that they're using public-private partnerships to force compliance, just as they use the partnership between big government and big pharma to force COVID jabs on the masses. So, Mm. yes, perpetual state of emergency, and we've moved now from COVID emergency to climate emergency, emergency. but Mm -hmm. the same mechanisms of control. This public-private partnership, which, which is essentially fascism. So here's Al Gore. He gave a couple of major speeches. One of them uh, was putting on display his Climate Trace global surveillance system. And he touted how this surveillance system um, surveils all of the CO2 emissions. And it's going to hold businesses and countries and eventually individuals, oh. us, <laughs> accountable for our CO2 emissions. How are they going to do that? Well, you know, it's going to be like a social credit system, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, and then in this speech here, he's demanding four and a half trillion per year towards the climate hoax slash funds. Isn't it just, I, I'm like looking at this and I look at the, when it like pans the room and I just think all these people know, they all know this is one giant charade, a huge hoax to steal money and control the people. And they're just sitting here putting on this theater, this show for everyone. And it's, it's just so surreal. Sometimes when you, when you put it all in perspective and look at it, it's so surreal. It is. And I don't think people really can wrap their head around how much four and a half trillion per year being stolen and thrown into slush funds where where there's zero accountability. Because as you've reported on time and time again, um, many of these big banks of these uh, UN organizations and um, other organizations, NGOs and intergovernmental agencies and so forth have immunities and privileges which there's zero oversight as far as where all this money is going that's right all the documents are inviolable yeah but not only was he calling for four and a half trillion per year and for a grand total listen to this 131 trillion (laughs) dollars for their climate hoax insane amounts of money you can't even possibly fathom but he's also calling for a complete overhaul of the world bank system so that they can funnel trillions more into the climate Mm. hoax and this is sounding a lot like they're calling for again that you know great financial reset of the system a new Bretton woods is what they're calling it yeah Oh, boy. Yeah. Meanwhile, over at the G20, (laughs) I mean, I can't believe they even had Klaus Schwab as a speaker at the G20. But they did. Like, this is how brazen they are. They don't even care that the conspiracy, quote unquote, conspiracy theorists keep getting proven right. They're just showing us exactly who they are and exactly what their plans are. So Klaus Schwab spoke at the G20 this week about the fourth industrial revolution and what he called the deep systemic and structural restructuring of our world. Mm. And he admitted that their great reset of the financial system is going to cause a reduction in income. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Basically, it's going to impoverish and leading to people. extensive social tensions. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you think? so everybody is going to be completely impoverished, and there's going to be social unrest. And uh, yeah, this is all part of their plan, and it's put on display. 
the world will look differently after we have gone through this transition process because we, the billionaires who have stolen all your money, have decided we're going to put you through this transition process where mm, we're going to reduce your income and we're going to have all these control mechanisms in place. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. They're not even hiding it. And um, another key moment at G20 was this panel, which discussed how they are moving forward with global digital health passports, acknowledged by the World World Health Organization, of course, which will allow people to move, but only if they have their passports, right? Mm. Only if they're good little global citizens will they be able to move freely. yeah, and I love how all of them keep referring to it as the next pandemic, as though pandemics occur every 10 years around here. You know, in the next pandemic, we want to make certain we get this right and we have everyone fully under control. Exactly. Like they are already admitting that they're getting ready for the next pandemic because they're already planning for that to happen. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't say in the next 10 years, I would say way sooner than that. Before oh, yeah. 24, certainly. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so I know that you yeah. wanted to go over some of these commitments that the Biden regime <laughs> has made at the G20. Yeah, I haven't even had time to read this whole thing, but I was reviewing a few points. So, <coughs> sorry. Uh, there's a lot of points here. I think there's like 40 something points they make of all the ways they would like to control the world and form their one world government. And so point 22, we recognize that the extensive COVID-19 immunization is a global public good, and we will advance our effort to ensure timely, equitable, and universal access to safe, affordable, quality, and oh, effective vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics. Acknowledging the adoption of the ministerial declaration on the WTO response on the COVID-19 pandemic and preparedness for future pandemics and the ministerial decision on the TRIPS agreement at the WTO's 12th blah, 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 blah. We note that no later than six months from the date of the decision on the TRIPS agreement, WTO members will decide on its extension to cover the production and supply of COVID-19 diagnostics and therapeutics. We remain committed to embedding a multi-sectoral one-health approach and enhancing global surveillance, including genomic surveillance, in order to direct pathogens and antimicrobial resistance that may threaten human health. To enable global pathogen surveillance as part of our commitment to implement the IHR 2005, remember that one? We encourage sharing of pathogen data in a timely manner on shared and trusted platforms in collaboration with WHO. We encourage sharing of benefits arising from the utilization of pathogens consistent with applicable national laws. Uh Uh-huh. So we go down to 23 and they start talking about the whole, you know, we support the WHO mRNA vaccine technology transfer hub, as well as all, as well as all as the spokes, well, there's some type errors there, in all regions of the world with the objective of sharing technology and technical knowledge on voluntary and mutually agreed terms We welcome joint research and joint production of vaccines, including enhanced cooperation among developing countries and the wonderful verification standards and to facilitate seamless international travel, interoperability, and recognize digital solutions and non-digital solutions, including proof of vaccinations. And they go on to talk about, about capitalizing and building on the success of the existing standards and digital COVID-19 certificates. Okay, so they're moving full speed ahead on this um, and accelerating it and on and on and on they go about all this. Then we get down to point 27 and we talk about, start talking about all the wonderful financial changes they would like to make and how they encourage central banks and other public authorities and the payments industry to continue to work collaboratively 
on these important initiatives to enhance cross-border payments. We welcome the report by the Bank for International Settlements Committee on Payments and Market Infrastructure on interlinking payment systems and the role of application programming interfaces that was presented in a joint workshop by the Indonesian G20 presidency in coordination with yada, 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 and their wonderful joint report uh, by the BIS, CPMI, BISIH, IMF, and World Bank on options for access to and interoperability of central bank digital currencies for cross-border payments. Now, I'm sure there's a whole shit ton of other wonderful things in this declaration that I have not had time to fully review, uh, but they're basically laying out a lot of plans of uh, who they're working with. And if you scroll all the way to the bottom where they give acknowledgments, <coughs> we think international organizations, including, and I'm not going to read them all, but we've got the UN and all its specialized agencies, World Bank Group, IMF, OECD, of course, You've got Gavi and the Global Fund and um, on and on and on it goes. And I would say just in glancing at this, about 90 to 95% of these organizations all have immunities and privileges because I've covered them in my report. So everything they're telling you here, they don't really care how you perceive it or if you agree with it because they all have full coverage of operating outside the law you have no right to see where their money's really going they may they may present that to you and pretend to be transparent you have no right to see their documentation um, other than what they choose to present to you and so they really just don't care how anyone perceives this because they are allowed for 77 years now well, not every single one of them, but many of them go back to 77 years uh, to operate outside the law, an entirely different system under no jurisdiction. Yep. It's insane. It's, yeah. Uh, it's speaking of how they're really going in overdrive now, I mean, since they got the midterms out of the way, it's like, they feel like they don't have to lie. They don't have to gaslight. They don't have to pretend anymore. They can just go full totalitarianism because there's oh, yeah. no way for the, anybody to push back. Right. And mm -hmm. so now we're seeing a lot of this uh, movement <clears throat> very, very rapidly. Um, this information just came out this week. The New York New York Fed announces with along with 12 other uh, big banks that they're testing a digital dollar. And so, you know, we've got the midterms out of the way. They're working really hard to collapse crypto. And now, as we see here, they're getting ready to roll out the CBDC. Mm -hmm. so, so this is a 12-week, right? 12-week pilot program. Yeah, let's see here. So, and, and this is in addition to that report you did back in June, where you showed a whole bunch of pilot programs going on across the globe. Yes, yes, many, like countless. Um, mm -hmm. There's actually a good website. I don't have it on hand right now, but it's in that report where you can see literally across the globe the hundreds of um, tests that they're running, programs that they're running on digital dollars. But this is the latest news here. And um, it just shows you that they just don't really care anymore because they're not interested in gaining votes. They can just go full technocratic totalitarianism on us now. And I think we're just going to see their plan to bring about this economic crash and reset the financial system. We're gonna see this plan in overdrive now over the mm -hmm. next couple of years i do agree with you that we're going to see a lot happen between now and 2024 and i think it's going to be a really bumpy ride yeah unfortunately and there's there's a whole other element with uh some quick changes they're making 
in the food sector as well, which is the report I was writing last week that I was hoping to get out and go over in last week's podcast. But wait, Edge, flip to the, I don't think we showed the um, the deal book summit, the New York Times deal. Um, I just wanted to show that because oh, the yeah. list. Yeah. So, you know, while all of this is allegedly, you know, Russia is just absolutely destroying Ukraine, allegedly. Uh, Zelensky is being paraded around like this Hollywood superhero to speak at various events. And it just... <laughs> so the New York Times on November 30th is having this uh, deal book summit. And look at this lineup of speakers. You got Eric Adams, the New York City mayor, Sam Bankman-Fried from FTX, who we just talked about. Wow. Uh, right? Uh, show to uh, TikTok CEO. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Larry Fink, BlackRock, Reed Hastings, Netflix founder, Andy Jassy, Amazon president and CEO, Van Jones, CNN host, Scarlett Lewis, the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement founder and mother of Sandy Hook shooting victim, Mike Pence, Benjamin wow. Nathaniel, Priscilla Sims Brown, uh, Secretary Janet yelling uh president Zelensky of ukraine and mark zuckerberg talk about a who's who of money laundering indoctrination corruption you freaking name it and then you've got on the other little screenshot i did you've got the um sponsors of this accenture which of course is deeply involved with the whole digital identities as well as uh some school programs for children and they are funded by the rockefellers and then you got u.s bank and t Rowe price that uh and and brex and walmart are all sponsors of this so it's just you just you look at those names and <laughs> wow wow yeah yeah. i don't even know what to say there i mean that really is a who's who (laughs) of the worst of the worst (laughs) yeah yeah and all for the sake of what raising more money laundering more money right Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna be working on finishing uh (laughs) since i'm starting to get my brain back slowly but surely i um God, my energy is still ridiculous though. But I'm going to work on finishing that that food-related report because there's some very interesting things that they are moving into. Um, and I'm going to get that out next week so we can cover it in uh, next week's podcast. And I know you're working on a report too. We both just got <laughs> completely yeah. blindsided, man. We oh. did. We lost uh, about a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so playing catch up but working on some important reports to roll out to you guys one um the one i'm working on being about uh just a tangent uh, about the climate hoax and some organizations one in particular uh that has privileges and immunities and is all in on that huge trillion multi-trillion dollar slash fund to funnel Mm. Uh, money out of the global economy into their climate hoax so yeah yeah i wish i wish we could like end on we should have found a funny or something so we could at least end on a good note (laughs) yeah (laughs) a lot of heavy duty stuff here it has been a lot of heavy duty stuff and the news cycle is really ramping up i mean just seems like so much has happened in the past week and really probably by design to make our heads just spin. So we're here to just kind of lay it out for everybody. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and we were saying, you know, like everyone's preparing. Well, a lot of people who are aware of what's going on have been preparing and prepping and planning and trying to kind of strategize and take action where they can. And, But it's also important to keep living your life and don't put things on hold. Like if you want a vacation or you want to take your kids camping or you want, you know, go do fun things. Don't put your life on hold and think this is going to happen this week or that's going to happen this week. And, you know, how many times have we seen that? Um, I'm trying to remember what the big one was. Uh, 
there were several things this year where I've pointed out where where would, something would go viral and people would have a date and say, the world's coming to an end on this date, or we're going to be completely out of food, or there's going to be no more diesel gas, or there's going to be no more trucks running and all these things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't going to be this hard. You know, this is slow burn. If people haven't yeah. realized that by now, this is a slow burn. And fortunately, uh, because it's a slow burn, even though it feels like we're being bombarded by a million things at once, we still have the capability of seeing them as they're coming. And so I just think it's important that people still try to do some fun things and get enjoyment out of life and not sit and live in fear and stress and be overwhelmed by all of this. Look, we're going to go through it. We're all going to go through it. We're going to have to, but great point. It It's just important to try to, I don't know, find all the happy moments, you know? Absolutely agree. And last year, um, my family really took that approach because um, we saw, you know, all of these big, heavy things coming. And yes, we've been prepping. And yes, we've been working on um, preparing our loved ones and, you know, saving up, stocking up, getting out of debt, all that good stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we made it a priority to give our kids good memories because this is still their childhood. And right. I don't want their childhood to just be a bunch of negative memories. So we've made that a huge priority to really just focus on our kids and giving them a lot of happy memories. And it doesn't have to, you know, be, uh, you know, break the bank to do that, but just like things like right. little things like camping and playing board games together or whatever. Yeah. But um, just really focusing on that quality time with family, it's not only therapeutic, but it's important because I want my kids to have positive memories growing up, no matter how crappy the world gets. Right, right. And it's so important to laugh right now, too. Comedy for the soul. And also, I wanted to just mention, um, so on Thanksgiving next Thursday, uh, we've got a solution series episode rolling out with David Dubine and it's fantastic. And it's all about food abundance. And then on Friday, of course, we'll have our podcast rolling out. Um, so yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us this time here on dig it. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're on BitChute, foxhole, gab TV, iHeartRadio, radio, odyssey, pilled rumble, soundcloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, no longer on YouTube. So be, please be sure to subscribe to those other platforms so you don't miss any podcast. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.